Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Whoa, Matt, you sound like a robot. I am a podcaster. (laughs) Matt, why do you sound like you're in a small, (laughs) tiny box? I am in a small, tiny box. I'm away from as much coronavirus as I can possibly get away from. So you are in a tiny box. You're not with your family. You just put yourself in a little box. I shipped them off to China or somewhere. And I said, you guys got to get away. That's probably a good place to send them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, they're, they're just in the other room watching a movie. We'll see how this goes. This will be fun. We've resisted doing this for a while, like a remote version of this. We've been pretty insistent on this being an in-the-room podcast up to this point. Because of you know, electricity, the electricity, really. Yep. But now we are forced by this monster of a virus to separate us. But you know what? Finest work fans, you can't separate Matt and Matt. You'll never tear us apart. <laughs> From a technological standpoint, we got this janky setup. I don't need to explain. Picture uh, two tin cans mm-hmm. connected by a string. Yep. Six feet apart. <laughs> six feet apart. And Matt's exactly. across the room. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you do it, right? This is how you quarantine. What movie is your family watching in the other room? Finding Dory. I believe it's Finding Nemo. Oh, you have been quarantined for a while, haven't you? <laughs> you guys hanging in? You surviving the quarantine? We're hanging in there. We've um, tried to make the most of it, spending a lot of time together as a family. The kids have been really good about getting adjusted to remote learning. Really trying to get outside and get make sure they've got some exercise and keeping busy and getting cooped up so much. So all things considered, I think we've really tried to make the most of it. Do you think this will be a time that you look back on and, and are thankful for in some ways? I think in a weird way, yeah. I mean, I think I think what it's done is it's forced us to kind of rethink how we use a lot of our time. Don't get me wrong, like there are things that we miss. We, I mean, like my daughters miss seeing some of their friends from their sports teams and my son misses seeing his friends at school and all that. I don't think we'll ever go back to just completely in, insane busyness like we probably were before. But I also don't think we're going to like never jump in that water again. I mean, what is, what's been good about it is it, it's, it's made us use the time that we are together really, really well and not just kind of waste it. That's been good. Yeah, you know, is it a good thing? It's weird going to, you know, a grocery store and then feeling like you have to like burn your clothes and shower when you leave. So you walk out of the grocery store. And I immediately burn my clothes. Is there like a dumpster fire that you've built? <laughs> Pretty or? much. Yeah. So one thing I always buy is, is kerosene <laughs> and matches. Then, I, then after I do that, after I strip down and burn my clothes, I run in, ask if I can use their bathroom to then wash my hands from carrying the kerosene and the matches I just bought in the grocery store right. out to burn my clothes. Yeah. So it's it, it, totally logical. And then you get out to your car. You're, are you naked or are you in your underwear? Oh, totally naked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Take no chances. I'm not a crazy person. Oh, <laughs> uh, you running in the grocery store naked. I need to wash my hands. <laughs> Do you have spare clothes in your car? Just uh, plastic bags. I put on my feet. <laughs> what weird times we're in. <laughs> oh, no, but I was doing this before coronavirus. <laughs> I think all our listeners can relate. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. What, what about you guys? How, how are you? How are y'all dealing with it? 
yeah, we're doing our best to hang in and we're making sure we support the local economy. I'm getting Arby's takeout for lunch, melting pot takeout oh, for dinner. Gotta have those folds of beef and the hot cheese. It's basically like on a diet of cheese and beef. <laughs> it's exactly like what you're doing before. <laughs> it's like I'm on vacation. In these times where there's a pandemic raging, what possibly could be the album that we would be discussing? Well, I mean, I think there are a few that come to mind, but I mean, it's clear that we need a cure. We're talking about disintegration by the cure, so their 1988-89 album. It's an album full of loneliness and despair and <laughs> darkness and weird visions. and Basically what we're all experiencing each day. Exactly. <laughs> I used to say, I mean, my hair is kind of getting big like uh, Robert Smith's. And... My lipstick is getting real sloppy. Here on <laughs> Finest Work Songs, we like to talk about our memories of an album. Matt, what is your memory of The Cure's Disintegration? I don't think I remember knowing that some of these songs were all in disintegration until many years. I remember hearing uh, Love Song on. and Fast. Hold on. Okay. It started breaking up. I'm going to okay. need you to start back at uh, My Name is Also Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I knew that some of these songs were all in disintegration until several years after this album came out. I knew Love Song, I'd heard that. Uh, I'd seen the video for Fascination Street. I'd heard that song on the radio. Um, so I was aware of a couple of like the big hits from this album. And then probably like my sophomore year of high school, which you know, real Cure fans would probably punch me for this. The first Cure album I bought was Mixed Up. Which is that, you know, uh, like techno electronic <laughs> remixes of it, yep. which I love. I still love, by the way. If you think the songs on Disintegration have long musical interludes and intros, that's nothing compared to Mixed Up. Who is responsible for Mixed Up? Why did they do that? I think Robert Smith's responsible for it. In fact, he said they wanted to do something fun after the doom and gloom of Disintegration. Robert Smith, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> who wrote and was responsible for disintegration. You act like it's a response to something someone did to you. Why is everybody so sad? Let's order a pizza. Let's go get some slushies. <laughs> that was around the time that early 90s hip-hop was big. I bet that he was influenced by that. I bet he saw MC Hammer, and he got himself some hammer pants. Oh, yeah. And just started remixing songs and was dancing. You start doing the, the thing, like the kid and play kind of thing, where you <laughs> grab your, your foot and then like jump through it with your leg. He called one of his goth friends. He called up Tim Burton and was like, hey, let's learn the, the kid and play dance, you know, from the movie House Party. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like slapping hands and kicking their feet together. <laughs> they totally were. They're both dressed in all black. And they performed it, you know, in a witch's den in the middle of a really slowly. <laughs> With their oh, heads gosh. drooping down. Yeah, their heads <laughs> drooping. And cellos playing all around them. 
Oh goodness. Oh, what about you? What's what's your uh, memory of the cure or and or disintegration? So Matt, we're all in our homes, and that is challenging for many of us. It's a challenge I've faced before. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs with my family, large family, and around the holidays we we were getting ready to to leave to. Fly. <laughs> <laughs> we were getting ready to fly to, to Paris for the holidays. The night before, there was a power outage, which reset all the alarm clocks, and the whole family overslept. I accidentally slept in, and I find my house is empty. I have no idea where everyone has gone. I was enjoying the freedom it brought, but it was also scary because there was an elderly person that was my neighbor that I thought was a violent, dangerous man. And I'd had that fear for years and rumors around the neighborhood said that he was a serial killer or something like that. My mom figured out mid-flight that I was not there because she's a terrible mother and my dad's a deadbeat dad. And when they got over to Paris, they found out that there were no flights coming back for two days. And so they weren't going to be able to get back and I would be at home a long time. (laughs) They had zero friends or anyone that could come check on me. Nobody. They knew no coworkers, no <laughs> little league coaches, no teachers. They were unable to call anyone. We knew no one except ourselves and the people that were on the trip with us. At the same time, there were two burglars, and I knew that they were trying to break into our house. Rather than alert the authorities, I decided to totally ruin my house by putting booby traps all over it, They finally caught up to me. Luckily, that dangerous, psychotic old man was coming over there probably to attack me, but it happened at the same time that these two guys were there, and so he hit them instead. My parents finally came home. I was just scarred from being left by myself for that long. I kind of drew into a dark place and started hanging out with some goth kids, so they introduced me to this album. That's how I found The Cure. Your family, like they just all sound like a bunch of filthy animals. (laughs) (laughs) they really are seriously though they didn't have any neighbors they didn't have any friends their kids didn't play any sports with any other kids they like what what they're like 16 people in in the family like one of them had to have known one other person not in the family (laughs) that could go get kevin (laughs) so i was introduced to the cure by my older sisters who had great taste in music my older brother as well. I got introduced to a lot of music through them. And I first had the Standing on the Beach, the singles. Mm-hmm. By the time Disintegration came out, is right when I was about 13, 14 years old. And it hit me right in that super emotional time, becoming a teenager. It hit deep. It's similar yeah. to you and the Smiths that we talked about. At the time, it meant so much to me. And I was listening to that with headphones all the way through. So just sitting there for over an hour listening to this album. And it expressed the deep emotion that I had towards life and towards girls. And I was shocked by how many copies of Disintegration were sold. I thought it would be more. Yeah. Uh, I think it ended up being around $3 million, which is which is great. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a darn good number. But I, I just would have thought, just based on the power of three or four of the songs, not only really well-known Cure songs, but, I mean, most average you know, music fans know these songs to the point where this album would have sold 10 million copies. R- really speaks to, in my mind, how underappreciated they are. Last Epipod, we talked about 
live throwing mm-hmm. copper, which sold mm-hmm. eight million copies. Right. And that was a monster album, but this is a beloved album that yeah. wasn't a flash in the pan. This is a band that mm-hmm. was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019 mm-hmm. and has been going strong. It continues to sell albums and continues to gain new fans. And so it, mm-hmm. it's really surprising to me as well that it was only three million. Well, let's jump in and find out why. First track on the album is Plain Song. Listeners, you might want to settle in and get comfortable as we start this album because uh, the first song gonna be here a while. is a slow burn. I feel like that song is a really good introduction to the rest of this album. Long musical introduction, lots of layers, lots of sounds, just a lot going on, really setting a mood. And then these just down lyrics that really set the stage for everything else that's, that's going to come. This album, what you hear is how Robert Smith looks. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were to play this song, into the dark woods at night, mm-hmm. Robert Smith would just walk out looking like that. Did you ever, when you were in like middle school or high school, did anyone ever get you to do Bloody Mary? Or you like go into a dark bathroom and you stare into a, a mirror and say Bloody Mary three times and she was going to like come out from the shower oh, and yeah. stab you? Yeah. 
I think if you do that, like if you go and like you said, you go into the woods and say Robert Smith's name three times, <laughs> he shows up singing the song. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching TV with his wife. He's like in his jammies. He's got like an Apple Watch and it like pings and <laughs> yes, I gotta go some forest in Arkansas again. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing his Count Dracula pajamas. <laughs> This song, too, sets the tone of the album in terms of the lyrics. I think it's dark and it looks like rain, you said. And the wind is blowing like it's the end of the world, you said. And it's so cold, it's like the cold if you were dead. And then you smiled for a second. (laughs) So first of all, and then you smiled, but only for a second. So that sort of thing does make you happy, but just for a second. And then you realize how miserable you are and you go back to being mopey. I wonder if he and Morrissey ever crossed paths and like outmoped each other. I feel like he would just show up and Morrissey would be like, I'm out. Man, what is that? Is that lipstick smeared all over your face? Morrissey was too too put together and pretty. You know, Morrissey's like, I thought my hair was big. <laughs> you know, we pick on Robert Smith, and I think that if anybody mm-hmm. is a faithful listener to the show, the minute we start talking about The Cure, they knew <laughs> that we would have some yeah, fun right. with Robert Smith. Right. But at the same time, we can because he is the band. You know, one of the dudes lasted like a year and then the other guy yep. lasted a ways through disintegration mm-hmm. before they kicked him out after right. recording disintegration and mixing it. So he didn't mm-hmm. even get to enjoy the success of labor. Yeah. Yep. It always has been Robert Smith with a plethora of musicians rotating through to be mm-hmm. part of the cure. And even back then it was about him. I had a huge poster in my room that was like six feet tall. So boys mm-hmm. don't cry on it. It was Robert Smith from behind. And then even on Disintegration, he's the only yeah. face on the cover. Distorted and creepy and scary. and He looks like he's trapped under ice. But he's okay with it. It has always been about Robert Smith. And if you thought that was a gothy love song, just wait for this next one. This is Pictures of You. <laughs> song does not have the same meaning as then because now in the digital age you know you've got social media the internet you have access to all sorts of imagery whereas back then mm-hmm. let's say that you liked somebody you had a yearbook yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was that was kind of it maybe you had like a group picture or something from a party or a friend or something you had but you know you, if you had a picture of somebody it probably meant you knew them pretty well aside from Mm -hmm. a static yearbook picture. And so him describing looking at a picture of somebody reminds me of, you know, if I liked somebody, you just, you'd ride your bike by their house to try and see them. Now you just like get online and stalk them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Exactly. No, that's a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that that part of it. And I think the other thing about this one is, I mean, maybe maybe more than any other of their songs, does it sort of demonstrate to me how well they are able to weave all these different layers of sounds, especially that intro going into it. You could pull that bass line out, and that could be a melody for a song by itself. You could take the synthesizer part, and that could be a whole another song. They layer so many things. They're, they're just, I say they, I mean, he's famous and, and great at doing this. But this one, to me, is like the quintessential pure layering sounds over top of one another to create this wall of depressing pop magic, if you will. Mm-hmm. He says, I've been looking so long at these pictures of you. How long do you think he was looking at those pictures? Hours. Days. Hours. He was looking so long that he almost believed that they're real. So so I guess the story is it was he, he found some photos of Mary after a fire. And so literally was inspired by like, you know, losing some things and then finding these pictures and you got kind of this realizing what he almost lost. You know that fire was started by all those candles and all the tapestries <laughs> hanging around. I think he burned it down because he was bored. He needed something <laughs> to inspire him. I'm, I'm too popular. I'm too happy right I'm too now. too appreciated and respected and happy. <laughs> I need to burn this down all except for the pictures. So, oh, you know, guys, let's just burn it all down. They're like, yeah, let's do that metaphorically. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> not metaphorically. <laughs> Also, this was a love, so- a wedding song to his wife, which in some ways is, well, first of all, you're marrying Robert Smith, so this is right up your alley. It's not like he yeah, married. you know what you're getting into. You're not marrying Darius Rucker. <laughs> yeah. And so she absolutely loved it, I'm sure. But also, you were stone white, so delicate. <laughs> That's a, a term of endearment. You were pale like death. Yeah, if you were in like Victorian England. But not in nineteen ninety. Yeah. So the first song, it's it's so cold. It's like the cold if you were dead. And this one, it's like you were stone white. What do you think their first dance was? Oh, uh, cool it now by uh, New Edition. <laughs> I think it was a couple of singing saws. <laughs> Cellos were too bright and happy. So, do you think they had a black wedding cake? You know, she wore black. Oh, no doubt. Black wedding cake, and when you when they cut it, they made it look like blood just spilled out of it. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about the Cure, though: they exist in a unique place in music. You can find the Cure in many people's collections. Taylor Roberts and I. Uh, Taylor was a guest on our Elbow Epipod, and we love the album Disintegration and have you know talked about it for years and last summer we got together and did uh, one of my favorite activities that I've ever done we had this huge whiteboard and we'll put this on our our website finestworksongs.com in the show notes around it i put six categories rock pop new wave punk college and alternative almost like a, a pie chart someone on the college you know stream someone like uh, REM would will be between college and rock but more towards college you know someone like uh, the jesus and mary chain would be on the alternative line all around you can pick bands and put them where they exist on this chart but the cure is in the middle because new wave people pop punk you know everyone would have the cure in their collection it seemed like a band that uh, was claimed by everybody and i saw this to be true two years ago 
my friend Doug went and saw The Cure and he sent me just a video. He texted me a video of, of the concert. And it was so good when I got the video that I looked up where they were playing. And it turns out they were playing in Charlotte that night. Bought a ticket, drove to Charlotte, got there right in time as they were going on. And when I walked in, I was somewhat surprised to see young goth kids. First of all, goth kids look the same now as they always <laughs> have. But also like middle-aged people and just people of all different kinds of... You, you saw people there that you would see at a pop concert. And then you'd see mm -hmm. kids there that you would see at like... Oh, uh, dancing? Yeah, maybe a, da a dancing show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so The Cure somehow exists in all these genres. And so The Cure exists in a unique place in 80s music where they can mm -hmm. play to all different kinds of fans and genres had you seen the cure before no this was the first time what you ex described was exactly everything i heard others who saw them one they were blown away by how good they were mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. but then just the variety of people who were there so it really really does speak to their ability to disseminate across all genres and all tastes and it also again makes me so confused why they haven't sold more albums. I mean, I hate to keep coming back to that, but it's just, it seems like you've got a band like Live, which sells 8 million copies of Throwing Copper. And then The Cure has this fantastic you know, album in Disintegration. And then Wishes is this huge pop sensation. It's just amazing that with all that spillover into other genres and other tastes, that they're, they're not bigger than they are. Which is a weird thing to say about The Cure, because I feel like, again, they're a band everybody knows. Even if you don't really like them, you know The Cure. Well, two thoughts with that. Fight Em in Love was kind of annoying and overplayed to some people. Well, it's almost a novelty. Love Song would have drawn a lot of people in, but I wonder if a lot of people just bought the single and if that doesn't yeah. count towards an album. That's true. It's a good question, though. I don't have an answer for it because how is it that more people didn't buy Disintegration? by Adele. And 311. For real? Yeah. <laughs> I never know if you're joking. 311 no, 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 covered no. this song? It's actually a pretty well-known version of it. It's, it's got that 311 kind of ska beat to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little slower than the Cure version. It actually kind of works pretty well. I mean, it's not like it's not enough to make me want to go out and buy a 311 album, but it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it's I used to like 311, that, or that one album that came out. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go see yep. the concert, and nobody would go with me. <laughs> Come on, man. So this song reached number two on the American Billboard charts. The only reason it couldn't hit number one was Janet Jackson's Miss You Much.
Miss Jackson. Man, you can't compete with Janet Jackson in 1987. Not miss you much, era Janet Jackson. Rhythm Nation. Gosh, that was all over MTV. That was everywhere. Mm-hmm. We need to do Rhythm Nation, man. That'd be fun. We have to wear military outfits. Yeah, and we got to figure out that dance she did. Well, I shouldn't be too hard. We're both pretty talented dancers. That's true. <laughs> it's a great love song, but even in cure fashion, I love how it ends on the minor chord. I will always love you. Kind of leaves you guessing. Will he always love you? Exactly. I have a love song story. Well, who doesn't? But go ahead. Yep. I was in a short-lived band, and by short-lived, we played one show. What was it called? Black Scallions. Black Scallions? Yeah, like scallions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of really like that. <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I, was, I was in between bands, and we decided just to have fun and start this band. We had probably three songs, maybe, right? Yeah, so we played one show here in Raleigh at, uh, do you remember Bickett Gallery? Yeah. We opened for a friend, and at the end... The guy who was the lead singer, he's excited. It's our first okay. show. Yeah. And he turns around and he says, should we do Love Song? We'd never practiced it. <laughs> we, I didn't know it. I, I, I'm a Cure fan, but we had yeah. never played it. And I just said, no. And Jeff said, no, absolutely not. Smitty kind of shrugged. And I looked at him, and I'll never forget the look in his eyes as he just turned around, started playing it. And so we played this shoddy version so that he could <laughs> sing Love Song for everybody. It was terrible. We ended the show, and Jeff and I said, never again. (laughs) I'm not going to be in a band with somebody that would pull that kind of thing. The deal was, this guy would play solo shows, you know, with his guitar. And so he could do that if he wanted to. He could just pull out another song and just play it. And he wasn't saying, should I do Love Song? It was like, should we do this? And we're like, we're not a studio band. We're not just going to, like, throw this down for you right here. Uh Uh-uh. Despite that, I still really yep. like the song. I think the thing with love song is lyrically, you know, on surface comes across as a love song. But as you mentioned, you know, it ends on a minor key. Even some of the, the layers to it, you, you don't hear it and necessarily think, oh, this is like a cute, poppy love song. We should play this at our wedding. No. It's still a cure version of a love song. Yeah, very emotional, but also mm-hmm. has that kind of angsty tinge. Yeah, but it also has a, a, a really good driving bass line. That's the meat and the heart of the song is that bass, bass part. That's the heart of this album. Yeah. Now we're a few weeks into this uh, staying at home. Do you think that a lot of couples are looking at each other saying, whenever I'm alone with you, you make me feel like I'm clean again? <laughs> God, if not, they will be now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I think people are a little bit getting a little stir crazy. That's pretty good though. That's, they should be thinking about that. Maybe, maybe he knew. Yeah. Maybe Robert Smith knew all along that this was going to happen. If Love Song was the Cure's highest charting track in the U.S., this next song was actually the Cure's highest charting single ever in their home country, and it reached number five on the U.K. singles chart. Sprite, drink Sprite. 
Which if you ever thought that the U.S. and the U.K. were similar, this is one of those ways it tells you we're still very different people. Very different. <laughs> this is never going to be a single in the U.S. Nope. So did he have to get permission from DC Comics to talk about <laughs> Spider-Man as much as he does? <laughs> yeah, wait. I always thought it was a creepy song, but maybe like Spider-Man's having me for dinner tonight. He's having him over. Yeah. For a little fun, just... <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man is entertaining. Not Peter Parker. No, no, no. no Robert Smith doesn't want to hang out with Peter Parker. No, he's too... He's he's too put on the costume. Put on the costume. And he's like spilling cheese all down his costume. <laughs> can't really eat it, right? He can't eat through that, the that's, that's what that That's what that web is. It's not web, it's cheese. Ew, man, he just <laughs> shoots it out into Robert Smith's mouth. <laughs> Oh, man. This song isn't scary. No, no, not at all. We misinterpreted it across the pond. You know, the thing about Lullaby, I mean, it's a song I really like, although it gets a tad monotonous. It seems like it wants to go somewhere and just never really gets there. But I also appreciate the fact that, like, this is Robert Smith's version of what a lullaby would be. And and it's based on, apparently, lullabies his father would make up, you know, just like on the spot, that were like, anything but lullabies to be you know, it's a sort of like the equivalent of like you know don't let the bed bugs bite but instead it's like hey don't let this creepy spider-man sneak into your room and you know maybe do weird things to you uh, hey sleep tight buddy love you <laughs> yeah <laughs> on a production side one interesting thing about this album is that the hi-hat on every song except for love song mm-hmm. is so low in the mix that at times it doesn't sound like a hi-hat is even playing. Mm. The snare is always incredibly loud and incredibly mm-hmm. front and center. And they have that reverb on it. That is very mm-hmm. distinct for this album. The bass and the kick are, are locked in, but the hi-hat a lot of times is, is just barely there. It's really interesting. interesting. It's really low in the mix. And I've checked it on headphones. I've listened to it through different speakers and it's always really low even when it is present, it's kind of washy a lot of times where it's low. And yeah, it's kind of a unique thing about this album that I hadn't noticed until we dug into it. I have not noticed that. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to it and try to pay attention to that. If I don't get scared yeah. from uh, the lyrics of Lullaby, <laughs> yeah, I'll listen, listen to it. <laughs> I think part of the reason is they're going for a specific feel. And also when you're mixing something, the way you make something stand out is not necessarily by turning it up but by reducing other elements. Reducing the hi-hat to a really low level is going to make that snare stand out a lot more. So it's like the equivalent, like when on this show, you make the show better by editing out my comments.
I wonder if there is a place called Fascination Street. I mean, I mean I, there probably is now. Like, they probably, someone has probably created one. Like, there's a penny lane in, like, every fifth town in the world now. Yeah, that's right. All the goth kids. This is, this <laughs> penny lane is for the Beatles fans, and the goth kids go down to Fascination Street. It's a cross between a Cure album and Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh, over there is where Beetlejuice lives. <laughs> <laughs> down at the end of the cul-de-sac down on fascination street again he doesn't start singing for two minutes 20 seconds it also still has much like you know love song or pictures of you or probably every single song on this album there's you know, melody upon melody just going on over the top of one another that i i, I still feel like you could you could pull out little bits and have completely new songs just based on the backs of these other melodies. But then it just, it works so well uh, together as one epic song about, I'm not really sure what, but it works. Something gothy. We have fun with the character of Robert Smith, but the beauty and the depth of this album still holds up. I still listen to it. Maybe not on a sunshiny drive to the beach, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I still enjoy it, especially side A. You know, we, we are stopping with the strongest tracks in our opinions, and mm-hmm. that is on side A. Side B, yeah. it continues the, the themes and the feel of the album, but you know, the strength of this is definitely front-loaded. Yeah, it's like to me, you know, the thing about Disintegration is highlight you know, these, these four or five songs we've talked about. They're unmistakable. If you're someone who's kind of already somewhat intrigued by The Cure, I think this is totally the kind of album that you may go from mildly interested in The Cure to thinking that this album is one of your top 10 albums of all time, just like that. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's that well done. It's, it's thematically, it works. Production-wise, it's uh, incredible. I mean, I think even though it's 30 years old, it still unabashedly holds up. I agree. We like to pick on the persona that is Robert Smith, but you can't deny his genius. He's incredible. And still, when I went and saw them, Sounds exactly the same, almost note for note, and the tones of everything sounded incredible. I mean, that's the whole reason I hopped in the car to go see them, because a video shot on a phone sounded perfect, and I thought, Mm -hmm. I I have to experience that. It did not let me down. I've never seen them. That's definitely one to move up the the bucket list. (laughs) All right, so one thing we like to do on Finest Work Songs is, if you had to remove a song, what would it be? So Robert Smith is climbing up the tree outside your window dressed as a spider. <laughs> and he's coming in <laughs> to get you. Unless you remove a song off disintegration. So what would it be? That's a tough one. You know, some of the, the latter the last you know, three or so songs I don't know as well. My early inclination, honestly, and this is kind of crazy, was pictures of you, only because to me I've always attributed that song to earlier Cure. But then that would just be like insane. pure insanity to do that. So, you know, probably the one that I would remove is the same deep water as you. Kiss me I 
what, what about you? If this uh, crazy Robert Smith Spider-Man was going to get you. Yeah, I think for me, it would be Homesick. It just feels a little thin from everything else. Same Deporter as You is super long, but I love it. And mm-hmm. I love the feel of it. Yeah. And this isn't yeah. an easy album to pick from. Usually it's obvious, yeah. but um, with this album, everything, it's a very cohesive album. Are you, are you listening right now? Again, thanks to everyone for checking us out on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you can find us on our website, findusworksongs.com. We just appreciate all the, the listens and interactions. And also, uh, please be so kind as to review us or give us a rating uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay safe. We'll have a new album coming for you soon. But in the meantime, we hope you stay, stay at home. home. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>